was a big one I see out there is they had a personal experience. So they took themselves through a transformation. They're like, let me create a course. I'm like, no, 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 back it up. Go teach some more people how to do it. Like sample size of one is not statistically significant. Don't want to get too nerdy on people, but that's not a reason it's going to work for many people. And so that's a dangerous one. It's a reason to coach more people on the topic, but it's not a, you're not ready for a course. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss, show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, I'm excited to speak with badass business owner and founder of Scale Your Genius, Jane Sagalovich. Jane is a business strategist and scaling mentor, and she is on a mission to rid the world of crappy online courses. I think we can all second that. She has helped hundreds of experts create their high quality online courses and programs with clarity, confidence and ease. With an MBA and a CFA under her belt, over 15 years in strategic corporate roles and seven years as a business owner and entrepreneur, she brings extensive expertise in various facets of business and strategy. She is gifted in distilling it into transformational client work using a powerful combination of logic, expertise, and intuition. Today, she's going to share with us a really interesting hybrid model that she uses to teach service providers how to leverage their time by combining elements of a good course, a good group coaching program, and a one-on-one coaching experience to create an offer that gets clients great results and helps you leverage your time without needing to build that whole complicated funnel system that's usually required to sell online courses successfully. If you are successfully selling your services and you're looking to scale up and leverage your time more, but you don't want to build all those funnels and use ads to sell courses, then this episode is for you. So buckle up. Here we go. Everybody wants to build an online course and you've got kind of a different way of doing it. So do you want to kind of just tell us a little bit about your way? So I help experts create online courses and the difference in what I do versus what a lot of uh, people might see out there if they have ever taken or tried to create a course is I'm a big proponent of including personal or group support in addition to the digital modules. So the way kind of high level, the way I explain it is you take anything you train or teach or consult on, anything you say over and over again, and you create digital modules out of those. But then you come in and support your clients with your magic, with your brilliance, with your wisdom and that enables you one not only to enjoy the process more for you as the creator for you as the experts but also get your clients those really really amazing results that are just not possible for something that is like fully passive so it does break away from that you know sipping margaritas on the beach making millions of dollars effortlessly passive income model that is not a thing not a thing or otherwise (laughs) all of us would be on the beach right now with a margarita not doing this right (laughs) And so taking that off the table as a possibility, there's just so many other amazing ways to leverage your time and your wisdom. And I find this hybrid model works so well for most people. When you say hybrid, you're talking about there's the digital course itself. And then is the person working one on one with the with their client or in a group setting or either? Whatever's best for them, yeah, so it really depends on the topic. And I'll touch really quickly on group. I see many experts jump to group 
too too quickly or incorrectly. I think they just kind of hear like, well, instead of working with one person, I can work with 10 and make, you know, 10 times the amount of money or whatever the math is. Not every topic is good for group and facilitating good group coaching or consulting or training is very different than coaching one-on-one. So group is absolutely an option, but not for everybody. That's a great way of saying it. Yes. I mean, uh, as somebody who has gone from one-on-one to group in the last couple of years, I can tell you it's a totally different job, like a totally different skill set and all kinds of things that I have to learn, have been learning and continue to learn. Yeah. and it's an, it's, it's an absolutely awesome model, and there's so much value in peer learning and peer accountability. Like, there is so much good about group, but it's not as a simple. Personal. Like it, yeah. It's not as personal. Yeah, and then there is a different skill set that's required, and some people have it, some people don't. I talk to a lot of people who do done-for-you services, and I'm a big proponent of building a done-for-you services business, at least first, because that's how you sharpen your knife. That's how you build expertise, is by doing the actual work. And then when they go, yeah, but I need another stream of income. I, you know, I can't be doing done for your services all the time. They move, they jump straight to, as you said, the Marguerite on the beach dream of the digital course that sells itself. And I have nothing a part of it. And what I see, even just from you describing this is like, don't jump to that. First of all, that is a completely different business. I can tell you from personal experience, completely different business, completely different skill set, marketing, funnels, all kinds of stuff that you have no idea. When I first when I first launched my first online course, I had no idea that I was starting a completely new business. But you actually help people go from the done for you service to this model with relative ease because they don't need to build that whole machine. Is that correct? That's exactly it. The other cool thing about this model is because the results for your clients are so much better, you could charge a lot more money for it. So you no longer need as big of a list when you're getting started, as big of an audience, the funnels, all that stuff. My clients charge $2,500 and up. So if you just think, you know, math, if if your initial goals, let's say $10,000 a month, well, that's just for clients. That's not the complicated funnels. That's not the kind of the mass online market that the courses will need. And so I do hear from a lot of people who think making uh, just an automated course is easier than the model I teach. And maybe it is easier to just create a few videos, but then if they're charging two, three, four hundred dollars how are you gonna get enough people if you don't have the audience, if you don't have the online marketing skills? That's where the model breaks down for a lot of people. Yeah, it's definitely not easier. No, no, it's <laughs> not easier you, at all. No, not at all. Let's just say that, I can say that unequivocally, unless you already have a huge audience. That's, that's the it. it. Yes, and that's exactly it. I say if you have a huge audience, sure, you can put out lower priced products out there. If you don't, then start with the higher priced ones where where you could do this. Now, part of the cool thing about this model is, so let's say you start with a $2,500 program and you have your digital modules and you have your one-on-one support. As you deliver, like you don't have to get your digital modules as perfect in this model as you would in the fully autonomous ones because you're supporting the people anyway. So if there's any sort of gaps in your modules, you just get to fill them in and it's seamless for the people. If you just release them out into the wild, you have absolutely no idea what's happening on the other side of it. And that's where it doesn't feel good. You don't get the rave reviews, you don't get the testimonials. And so that's the other part of the model where it is harder to do the fully autonomous because you know I know people get into beta testing and that's a whole other topic, but 
it's just harder to know what's happening. So after you do this hybrid model for however long until you feel really confident about your digital modules, then you can release them into the wild because now you've had the time and the feedback from clients to make them really, really, really good. So then you and in the same time, you've been building your audience. You know, you have been doing some of those marketing things. Now you're ready to go more passive. So it's a mm. little backwards than a lot of people teach, but I find it works so much better. I think that makes complete sense. And let's just sum this up. I, I think I would recommend, and you, what you're just saying supports this, that if you're somebody who is doing done-for-you services right now and you're not making enough money, it is probably a good idea to try to get that done-for-you service to a place where you are <laughs> making at least a decent amount of money first, which shows, to me, it shows that you are an expert. Like, right, you have to have had enough clients to be able to say, I'm good at doing this. There's enough people that have paid me. And then if you want to leverage your time, the next natural step and seems like the, the the step with less friction is this idea of, okay, now how can I take this done for you model and basically take a step back from some of the work that I'm doing, put that into a repeatable process, which is your digital course, and then still show up to make sure that they get the results. And then once you've done that and, and really honed in on that and become an expert on that and, and really nailed it there, then you can move into the final piece of do it yourself if you want, right? Because you have to remember, you have to build an audience in order to sell that. How do you think, what do you think about that as like a, a, a business plan for anybody listening who wants to go there eventually? I love how you said less friction because that's exactly what happens when we are used to working with clients one-on-one -on -one going, yeah, you want to, it's, it's one step at a time, right? You don't, you don't leap to the other side because you just miss so much in, in your experience and the client's experience. I do want to caution one thing for done for you people. And this is something I've seen a lot is really make sure that the topic and the audience you're thinking of want to do it for themselves. And I see it especially like in a lot of the tech and marketing stuff. So some SEO people or Facebook ads people, they're like, well, instead of doing it for you, let me teach you how to do it. Your clientele will completely change. Your target audience will completely change because the person who's gonna pay you to do it is not at all the same person who wants to learn how to do it. So people often miss that part of the puzzle mm -hmm. and create a, a, a DIY product for an audience who just wanna pay somebody who to do it. And so that's that's another part of the puzzle to consider on the front end is make sure that, you're, that you are going to teach them something that they want to actually learn how to do for themselves. Oh, that is a really great point. Let's underline that, circle it, highlight it, <laughs> because that is so, I think that that's a perfect example of something that sometimes we, when we see, oh, all these different business models out there and oh, that looks good. We, we miss this very obvious, once you say it, point, which is sometimes people do the hybrid or the course saying, well, all these people can't afford me. So let me make something that takes less of my time to sell to them. And what you just said is, they may not want to buy that thing because that's just not the kind of person they are. So you just have to be ready for that. Your audience, if they're done for you service kind of people, they're not going to care if you have a, it doesn't matter that it's cheap it's, <laughs> or less expensive. They're not going to buy it. Exactly. Exactly. There has to be just in the way, in what I've seen, there has to be a, a significant long-term value for the client to learn it for themselves. That they're like, not only, you know, it's not something they're going to do once, it's something they're going to do for the rest of their career that they can, you know, pay for it once, learn it once, and then do it, do it over time. Yeah. And want to do it over time and can't afford to or don't want to pay someone else to do it. Mm. I see, I see this uh, misunderstanding a lot because I, I teach people, as you know, like I teach people to just do 
one main done for you service. I call it a bullseye product and then have a downsell and upsell like but they're just three versions of the same thing they're just a small medium large version of the same thing and I tell them it it has to be three versions of the same thing and a lot of people misunderstand that and make the downsell some sort of course and I go no that's not two versions of the same thing at all right yeah like if you're talking to somebody who's trying to hire you to build their brand they're not like oh I can't afford you so I guess I'll just build it with your help that's not yeah. it's not the same audience yeah I'm so no, glad but the that. hybrid course would work really well for that audience because yeah they get to you you may charge a little less but you can also with, with hybrid you can really charge full price but you get to guide them in a way that that mm-hmm. the course may not be able to assuming that they want to learn it assuming they want to learn it and do it for they themselves. have a reason yeah to exactly learn it. can you can you give me I know you do this in all kinds of industries can you give me a, a couple of examples of the different industries that you've helped people do this in So lately, I've been working with a lot of uh, therapists and mental health professionals. I've been working with them pre-pandemic and with the pandemic, with a shift to telehealth and a lot of that technology barrier falling away. That has been an amazing, amazing business model for them to really break out, especially in the U.S., the licensure model really, really limits them. And so I work with them in a way that they can, you know, not risk their license. We, we have a way to do that, that, that kind of creates a separate entity where the program is delivered. But they get to take that wisdom and that expertise that they have so much years and training on and create a specific program for a very, very specific topic. So many of them will still choose to have their therapy practice if they want to. They can really just dial it back because... They, they currently, oh my God, you know, the mental health need has gone up so, 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 so much. And they're out there trying to fill this need by working more hours. And I mean, as we all know, there's a limit to that. There's a time when your own mental health suffers. So this is a way for them to be able to really take their expertise and package it into a different direction. Mm-hmm. One of my clients, she was she is a relationship therapist. Her course is Relationship After Baby. So specifically, when you have a kid, I'm sure everyone tells you what to do with a baby. No one tells you what to do with your partner. And you know, part of her point is, you know, I see these people seven years down the road when they're ready to get a divorce, and we're talking about custody, we're talking about how to, how to separate in the best way for the child. Let's prevent that in the beginning. And so her course is specifically for couples who are expecting. And what's so cool about a course versus therapies, if you think about it, if I, I know you have a you have a son. So for people who have a kid, when you're pregnant, you're not thinking, let's go to therapy. Let, let my partner and I go to therapy. You have so many other things you're working on, you're thinking about. By being able to take a course, and this one would be with a group support, you're with other, you are learning the skills you need to make sure you keep your great relationship. You are with other couples, so you're sharing experiences. And you're doing it in the comfort of your own home. And at that time of your life, that's probably really important for you. Mm, I love so that's it. one example I love using because it's so specific. It also underlines really well one of my core tenets of a good online course is it solves this one specific problem for one specific client avatar. So if a rela- it can't be a relationship course, right? That means nothing. It has to be super, super specific. And I think this example really... Yeah. Really specifies it. it. Yeah, well, that's super specific, and that it's nice because then that makes the targeting way easier. Super, you know exactly who. It, yeah, like you know if if you're the target audience, you know you know if it's for you or not. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. I love it. And so, how did you end up doing this? <laughs> this is super specific. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's so funny. I like 
right now, I love this so much. I'm so in love with this model. I'm so in love with the results my clients get and seeing just what they're able to create. If you asked me five years ago, so and I've been doing this for four years ago, for four years. If you asked me five years ago, like, Jane, do you want to help people create online courses? I'm like, what? <laughs> what, what? What do you mean? Like, what is this? Like, I don't get this. And it really was, I think, like a lot of entrepreneurship journeys. You fall into it. You see, you know, we did it. So I had a business before this with an ex-partner. Mm-hmm. We were doing uh, a group consulting model that was kind of his brainchild. He's a brilliant consultant who's had a lot of his own proprietary models. But they were in-person groups. And so one of the big objections we would hear when we were talking to these business owners was, I don't have time to travel and meet you guys in these groups four times a year. I have a business to run. I have a family. Like, yeah, this sounds cool, but no. At the same time, I was a few years out of corporate and I was on the entrepreneur, the new entrepreneur shit show roller coaster when I'm like, this is not at all what I signed up for. Can I go back to my security of a paycheck? And so I was taking a lot of online courses on like personal development and healing things. And I've by now spent um, over $80,000 on courses and programs, partly because I love them. I just really love that from the client side, a little bit of market research in there too. Mm-hmm. But I was seeing the benefit. I loved being able to be at home, feet up on the coffee table, glass of wine in my hands, and get coached, trained, whatever, by some really, really brilliant people. And I, you know, I also got to see what works, what doesn't. I have a very strict, like my brain loves to make things better. That's just how my brain works. So every course I would take, I'm like, what works? What doesn't? What could be better? What should have been different about this? And so I've been able to take so many different variables and really create a model that works really, really well and kind of tested it on the, fir- the, the first year, the first six months to a year, we're kind of testing, proving out the model and it really, really, really worked. And so kind of went all in on it. And I, I like, it's one of the, like you said, you, you know, have one offer. People always say like, what else do you do? I'm like, no, I literally have one offer. I have one offer. Sometimes I'll take a custom engagement here or there, but I have one offer and I yeah. love it. And so I assume it is this hybrid model. model your offer. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a night nice, and that's yeah. exactly what it is. I have digital modules that take people step by step down the process. Mm-hmm. And I do, so this is kind of new. I do an unlimited one-on-one support model. I switched from doing more typical like X amount of time per module to going fully unlimited. And I support my clients until they get their first two clients. So I should know people, you know, people do this because they want a certain outcome and I want to partner with them until they're there. That's very cool. And so can you tell me a little bit more about where you were before this? Like where, what were you doing in corporate and how did you decide to go become an entrepreneur? Mm, yeah, I was, I was living the American dream. I was, so I, we were refugees from Ukraine. We came here straight to Denver when I was 10 years old. and you know, kind of corporate America and, and, and like being a CEO of a company one day, I remember wanting to like do marketing for Ralph Lauren. I'm like, how American can my career path get? <laughs> and so like totally stereotypical. My first job, I was 16 years old, I'm in high school. I worked for Oppenheimer Funds, which is a mutual funds, like a finance company. All my friends are working at ice cream shops or, you know, Limited or Victoria's Secret or wherever. I'm sitting in a cubicle doing finance things. So at 16? At 16, I know. How did they hire you at 16? What did you know? <laughs> exactly. That was cheap labor. <laughs> I can't remember how much money I was making, but I remember like thinking it was so much. I'm sure it was like $8 an hour. Right, right. 
but it was more than the ice cream shops were paying. And so I always, you know, I kind of had the vision of wealth. I had the vision of a really, really successful career. So I went to college. I got a marketing degree. I, I worked for a Fortune 500 company, went back to business school. I had a few, had a few more kind of high level strategic, very high visibility, working with a C-suite jobs. And I like for for. So I did that for 15 years. And for 14 years and six months, I'm like, this is it. This is my career. There's nothing else I want to do. And I don't know if other people have a similar experience. It was just like one morning I woke up. I'm like, no, this isn't this like this isn't it. This is not my path. I can't play in other people's box. And there are experiences from over time that were kind of coming to me like the feedback from I, I've always gotten amazing reviews, except things like you have to get back. You know, you have to like stay in your own lane. Stop, like put whatever the britches. I can't remember the phrase. You're like too big uh, for your britches. You're too big for your britches. Uh-huh. Stop trying to jump out of the fishbowl. Those kind of things were happening over and over again, and I'm like, fuck that. Like I am not here to stay in my own britches. Like no, yeah. I'm here. I'm here for so much more than that. And. You know, what really happened, the last company I was at was has the reputation of just being an amazing, amazing employer. We had, you know, the, the free cafeteria on site, the free fitness classes. We had corporate jets next door to our building that you know, we, when I when I used to go to New York, that's, you know, you take the jet out there. And so, Whoa. yeah, it was it was it was cushy. it was cushy and good on paper, but not good on my soul. It was mm-hmm. like. I spent two years there, and so that's when I knew I wasn't happy at a place like that. I knew there was no other company I could work for, because mm. if that if that ain't gonna do it for me, that's it. So, what was the plan? Ah, there was no plan. <laughs> <laughs> there really was no plan. I was very fortunate to have been very good at saving, so I had a very good cushion available. I don't have kids, so I didn't have to think about kind of other mouths to feed. I was able to be a little more selfish about the decision. I'm like, you know, I thought through my worst case scenario, and I'm like, worst case scenario, I move into my parents' basements. And I knew that was a very, very far away place, but I just kind of like, I, it felt good to have that worst case scenario planned out. And so I left. One of my friends was starting a consulting business. The one I mentioned was my ex-partner, and I'm like, now, can I do this with you? What does this look like? And so what was interesting about that is I left corporate, but I didn't yet see myself as a business owner, nor did I see it possible for me to be a business owner. So me joining somebody else was the extent of my belief in myself that like, there's no way I could do it. I need someone else to do it and I'll, I'll support them. Mm-hmm. Which Training is wheels, right? Training wheels, yeah. exactly. And so... A few years later, when that partnership imploded, my first thought is like, how do I replace the partner? Who else can I work with? And just like still at that point, the idea of me being able to do it on my own was still in my, not in my consciousness. But what did happen is the trauma of that relationship imploding was so strong that there was no other partner I could trust. Like there was, I couldn't think of a single person that I could trust to be a partner, just to me, where I was at. Like I had no other choice but do my own thing. So funny story, when we were creating our program for, 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 for my business with my partner, I was like, well, maybe I can contribute to one module, just a little bit, like maybe like one video out of the whole program. And that, that was truly my limit at the time of what I was able, like what I believed 
I was able to create and, and, and the value I was able to add. And now I'm like, I'm creating modules all the time. I'm creating content. Like that's such, that's such a favorite part of mine too in my work now that it's so funny to look back four years and just really see the difference in my confidence and my belief in myself. Wow, that's a huge shift in four years. Huge. And, and you didn't even, you weren't even aware that you were limiting yourself like that at that time. No. Yeah. Which is, it was like, well, this is for other people. It's not for me. Right. As, a, as like a fact. As a fact, right. So you yeah. actually, I, I mean, I, I find that I have the same experience where you, you don't even recognize it as a, as a limit or as no. something you're not doing because you just, it just is what it is. It's just, yeah, like it just is. Yeah, there was, there was mm. no other, there was like no opening to it. And, and then it was like, I was, I was forced into doing it by myself, which is so weird. Yeah. And so yeah. cool. Well, so when did you realize that, that, that you were limiting yourself like that? So I just like, once I went through the process of deciding this is gonna be my new business, I knew I couldn't go back to corporate. Like I just, I knew deep in my soul that it's not something I can do. I couldn't find another partner because I didn't trust anybody at that time. It was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. So I created, I created kind of beta version of my program and I got some free, fully free clients in there, which is not a model I recommend, but the, where I was emotionally at the time was is, is the only place I was gonna be. And I just started getting amazing feedback. They're like, oh my God, like I have taken so many other courses. Yours is, yours is so much better. Like your approach is so different. I'm able to create something I never could before. And so I needed that external validation. Mm. You know, that's just where I was at and I still love it. But now I know, now I like trust in what I create. Mm -hmm. Well, give us some tips. What, what do you think is one of the difference makers between a course that really is impactful and can get results versus not. Personal support is at the core of it. I think yeah. that is just for, for so many reasons. And one, being able to test the digital modules, being able to serve people deeper, being able to really, I, I keep saying going deeper and that's exactly what it is. Because if you think of like the way you work with your clients, if they did the learning on their own, your time together, like you just go straight to where you need to go. You're not teaching them, you're not like, it's not surface. It goes really, really deep. So oftentimes it's even better than one-on-one -on -one work because that part is, is, is just separated from your time. Mm. Another thing is be really clear on what kind of results you want your clients to have and start with that in mind. So really create a step-by-step -step journey for them. So where they are today, where they wanna go, and the modules are just a step-by-step -step journey. I see a lot of people starting with the content they have. They're like, well, I did this workshop and I did this workshop and I have you know this recording, so how can I take this and put it into a course? And the answer is you can't, like, you can't. If it happens to fit some of the steps, cool, but that's not the starting point. So mm. really focus on that client journey. Mm. Which is true even if you're doing a done for you service, right? It's like, we just wanna make sure that we're super clear on the journey that somebody takes from the moment they meet us until the very end. Exactly. To get their results. Absolutely, and I love, you know, in something you said earlier, is like you start with a done for you. Absolutely. When people yeah. come to me and they're like, I have an idea. I'm like, well, what have you done with this, with, with this topic? And they're like, nothing. Like, okay, we'll go do something with this topic first. And it is, it's create this journey. It's do it. It's, you know, whether it's done for you or consulting or training, do the thing. Don't, yeah. don't like, don't waste the time digitizing something you don't have proof of yet. Yes. Yes, that is a really important message too. I think people want to teach something that they haven't done or teach something that they did once. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you're not ready to teach that. 
Or the big one I see out there is they had a personal experience. So they took themselves through a transformation. They're like, let me create a course. I'm like, no, 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 back it up. Go teach some more people how to do it. See if like sample size of one is not statistically significant. Don't want to get too nerdy on people, but that's not a reason it's going to work for many people. And so that's a dangerous one. It's a reason to coach more people on the topic, but it's not a, you're not ready for a course. Yeah. Okay. That's great advice. Just because you've had an experience, you can start to help other people, but it's the helping other people that's going to help you build this expertise. And, and also I would imagine like even your question, okay, well, you're going to take somebody on a journey. What's that journey? If you don't have any experience, how are you going to answer that first fundamental question? Exactly. With nothing. You make it up. (laughs) Yeah. You work with enough people until you see what that journey is. Yeah. I'll say one other important tip that I see so many people missing from a very well-intentioned thing, don't overteach. Nobody wants to learn things. Information's free. We can all go on YouTube. We can Google all the shit. Like that's not the point. Your point of your course is not to teach anything. Your, your The point of your course is to guide them down a transformational path. And of course there's information that supports them in that, but it's not a teaching course. Gosh, wait a second. Back up. Back it up. Tell me more. (laughs) You're not, the point is not to teach anything in your course. Tell me more. The point is not to teach. The point is to guide. And so every step of the way, you are guiding action. You're guiding. So like you're giving them tools. You're having them do things along the way. So it could be, you know, I'll use branding as an example, and I'm probably going to butcher it because I don't, I don't know the branding process well enough, but let's say you are doing a, a course on branding. So you're having them do journaling exercises. You're having them do various discovery. You're having them do research. So you're having them take action. How much information do they actually need to know to be able to take that action? Mm. That's the teaching component. We're not trying to teach them everything we know. I think as experts, we get like really excited about this information and all the stuff we know, and they don't necessarily care. They need to know just enough to be able to take their best version of their journey. Gotcha. So really, we have to get into the mindset of that first before we can even venture on the path of helping somebody else. Exactly. And then you're done for your work. That's exactly what you're doing. You know, if that's the place you're coming from, you're already doing that. So I see, I really see it only when people switch into courses, all of a sudden they think it's just like this information dump that's about to happen. Mm, That's such a good point. Yeah. No, as somebody who's creates courses, it's a really easy trap to fall into because it also feels good here. I know a lot of stuff. I want to tell you all this stuff. Look at all this cool stuff. Look at all this cool stuff. And this is the stuff that I think is what has made it valuable for me and the people that I've helped. So I think I should translate it to you. But what you're saying is that's not going to be very effective. It's effective as the supplement Mm -hmm. that enables them to do the thing. Gotcha. But ultimately, I mean, my, my, I always thought that this was me knowing myself, but it seems like it's just how everybody is. I always used to say, I don't like people like telling me information, you know, like I'm more of a hands-on learner. You know, I, I much prefer to just try it and fail and try and fail and I'll figure it out. And I learn best and fastest that way. And I always thought that was just me, but it sounds like you're kind of saying like, that's how most people will learn most effectively. That's how they'll learn best. Yeah. Information is safe, right? Like we can sit here and learn all the things and not do a damn thing. Yeah. I think that's where like we, we get, you know, cl- 
our clients are of course responsible for their own ability to take action and I find that giving them too much information can can often put them into that safe place of like oh it's cool I'm learning no big deal I'm doing things you can get addicted to learning I love learning. Yeah. <laughs> right. I have to stop myself. I'm like, no, no, no more webinars, no more videos, like back it up. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. The content and the information is actually very addictive because it also, it, it allows you to feel like you're doing something without doing maybe the hardest part, which is- You feel productive. Action. Yeah. 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 So our job as the, well, the guides, not the teachers, the guides. The guides. Yeah. Our job as the guides is to know that- and to help our clients, and I think we can translate this to people who are doing services or hybrid or courses. Our, our job as the guides is to know that and present them, what, what did you say, with just enough information to and enable prompts. Them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first thing, yeah, when I guide people like how to create a module, what do you want them to do? What do you want the results to be? What are the action items? What is the information they need to take that action? Mm. And it looks, you know, it's kind of like that's formulaic. So of course it's going to look different for different topics, but that's kind of the underlying form. So now let's back up completely to somebody who's thinking about doing something like this. That seems like a very different skill set than whatever the skill set is of the person. Is that right? It's, there are absolutely pieces that are a different skill set. I work on a lot of mindset stuff with my clients because, you know, if you think of somebody who's been doing something for 10, 15, 20 years, and it's it's just, it's automatic. Like they're Mm -hmm. so good at it. They're not really thinking about it. And all of a sudden they're learning something new. It's not a complete shift, but there are pieces along the way that are going to feel very new. And so... It's, it's, it's that process of, of, you know, learning again and learning mm-hmm. and failing and getting it wrong. And there are people who don't go down this path, I think, because of that. And that's totally fine. Not everyone has to. But I find that the people who are committed to their mission and their vision are willing to, you know, stumble a little bit and, and, and have that beginner mindset a little bit again. Mm. And also be, they're interested in taking that path. I mean, I think that has to be part of it, right? Like the why can't just be, oh, I want to leverage my time. It has to be like, and I'm interested in like learning a new way of delivering. Yeah. Like I want to do it this way. Exactly. Like I know the way I, like the way I'm doing it today isn't like, I don't want to do this until I die. Yeah. I want to do it a different way. That's what the hybrid model, it's different, but it's not that different because Mm -hmm. I feel, you know, a lot of, they already are content creators in Mm -hmm. some way and so this is just a different way of structuring it all the things they're already doing all the things so there's some skills really on the tech side more than anything they have to learn or outsource and yeah but it's not i wouldn't say it's like a completely different person for the hybrid model for the fully automated course model there definitely could be gotcha and so what's the transformation that your clients go through that you're taking your clients through (laughs) Yeah, they're able to go from, you know, grinding out one-on-one sessions day after day after day to having a leveraged product so that they can make more money and really kind of take their take their vision of serving more people with their wisdom much 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 bigger than they ever could and so they're making about 10 to 30,000 dollars a month is kind of the median of what my clients uh-huh. are seeing just on a on a numbers basis. They're able to serve four times more clients in the same amount of time than they were before. 
And, you know, just really like what's actually the coolest is, you know, I'm friends with some of them on Facebook or connected on LinkedIn, and I see them posting testimonials of their clients. And so it's so cool. It's like, not only are you making more money and you created this thing, but I could see that you created something so amazing because now your clients are raving fans. And so really kind of fun to see that like pebble ripple effect of of this work going out further and further. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's one of the motivating factors of going from working with one client to working with many people is that you know that if you're helping a group of people and their their objective is to help a group of people, there really is a huge, it, the ripple effect gets pretty big pretty quickly. It's gigantic. And it's, yeah. it's so cool to think like you as one human or one company can make such a big and global difference really yeah. with, with technology. That's so cool. And so what's the, what's your like long-term vision? I am just focusing just on this topic right now. I have a squirrel brain. So if I don't, I will want to do 50 things and do zero of them. (laughs) One of my visions is to build a company and a team. So right now I have contractors, you know, there's people supporting me, but I do have a vision of employing a big team and serving in that way too. And so I, that's, it's not concrete on what that looks like, but that's, that's part of the vision. But with this, I think with this topic, I love it, it. but I'm also the kind of person who can wake up one morning and be like, Oh, and now I'm going to do something completely different. (laughs) So this is not like set in stone. Right, right. I got, I got you. Don't hold me to it. Can I, I will not, I promise. Can I ask how your business is currently set up? As far as like your model, like, so you're really the center, obviously, of your business, you're the CEO, you're the face Mm -hmm. of it. And then you have contractors and stuff. In what capacity do they support you? Technology, mostly on the on the tech Uh and the processes. So I am the only person who coaches my clients. I don't have other coaches Mm -hmm. coming in. I do all the content creation, the original content creation and the service delivery. They help me repurpose that content. So because I do, I create so many things that becomes you know my social media content that becomes other marketing pieces so they help me kind of manage that process they help me manage just the tech stuff of of running an online business the little like the setting up the webinars the setting up like email sequences and campaigns and things like that helping me onboard new clients really the kind of the behind the scenes things and it's not there's not that much to it it's a lot of i'm a big fan of systems and efficiency so everything's just kind of rolling I love it. Yeah, I think that that is that is the the next step for anybody who's running their business all by themselves is not necessarily I think people think they have to hire employees, but there's like a big there's so much you can do before you hire an employee that has to do with bringing in experts and outside contractors. I'm curious, do you do you hire do you have like V have you hired VAs that you train? Do you hire experts that are they're telling you how it works? Like what's the what's the breakdown? Yeah, both. So my my, my general VA is somebody I created processes for. So mm-hmm. they're just they're following processes. But you know, after they're with me for a certain amount of time, they're able to then, you know, kind of get 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 out of the constraint of what I created and really contribute bigger. And then things like content creation, content content repurposing, that is experts, that is people who are good at that obviously more expensive and totally worth it Mm -hmm. and so really depends on the skill set and I always tell anyone who anyone who does not have at least a VA just go get one today it's gonna be so worth it yeah no one should have a business without a VA no my VA is my lifesaver and actually I hired 
a new VA a, a month or a month ago, um, a second VA, and I was planning to hire her part time. You usually think of VAs as part time. But then once I got through the process and it was through a company and she was so great and they were like, we really prefer you to have them full time. Mm. I was like, okay, well, I'll just figure it out. And sure enough, yeah. like once you have a full time VA, you could find things for them to do. And so it's actually been a really good practice for me to say I am looking for ways to fill up this person's 40 hours a week and it forces me to actually outsource more than I even I thought I was doing pretty well like I wasn't even scratching the surface I'm doing so much better now outsourcing that stuff and that's exactly it it's like you don't I, I same I mine's not full-time but I committed to more hours than mm -hmm. I can think of off the top of yeah. my head like what I can have it's her good do strategy yeah I'm like you know I'll give I, I know I can give you stuff and, and it 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 forces you to be creative and strategic uh-huh in a way that then you have to be like more creative and strategic for your part of the work mm -hmm. so i think it's not just taking things off your plate it's i think putting you in a different space that enables you to be a bigger creator mm -hmm. yeah yes exactly it frees up that mental space and but on the flip side uh, i don't know if you've had this experience i'm having this experience so you know i or maybe you don't know i i have I had shrunk the amount of time that I worked every week on purpose a couple of years ago. So I just created like a container in which I worked. So I just had to figure it out, right? Like if there's only 25 hours, that's what you work in. And sure enough, like once you only have 25 hours, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. And, but as I have gotten more and more strategic about how I spend my time, those 25 hours, the 25 hours, it feels like, <laughs> it feels like a lot because 25 hours of only strategic high level work is a lot for a week. Yeah. It's almost un impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like tinkering in your email automation or something like for my brain, that's just a brain. Like it's totally it's, it could be frustrating, but it's not. Yeah. It's, it's a different part of my brain that doesn't get tired that easily. Yeah, absolutely. So then it becomes this game of, OK, you, your brain really can't do you can't, you can't do unlimited amounts of high level work. So once you've outsourced all of the low level stuff and the, and the brain resting stuff yeah, and you are optimized, then what do you do? <laughs> yeah. For me, like the, the stuff that feels best for me in use of my time is coaching my client, like coaching my clients. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this again. It's just specifically because they have gone through the modules. I'm not teaching. I teaching live. I cannot. My brain doesn't do. Mm. And so because that part's taken care of, and we just like dive deep into brainstorming and strategizing. Like, it just fills my cup so much. Mm. So that's a part that I could definitely I could do more more than I currently do, and it's cool because of my because of my model. Like it really allows me to do that a lot. And then I do love to create content. I do love to create webinars and videos, and, and you know, go on podcasts and host podcasts and, and things like that. So like creating content, talking, that kind of stuff, it, really like is, energizing, is energizing for me. Yep. Actually, yeah, that's that's a good point. Actually, coaching people is one of the more energizing things me but the creating content it's like I really enjoy it but it but it becomes energy draining I think mm. I'm starting to realize and it's not energy draining in a way that I don't want to do it it's just I'm exhausted by the time I'm finished with it particularly actually since we're talking about it like writing and filming modules right because it's like there's a performance aspect to it I think that's what it is maybe for yeah. me yeah 
I, I used to be a cheerleader in high school to perform. I'm like, put me on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind the pers- I don't mind the performance. The per- yeah, I think that that part doesn't oh, drain me. That's so interesting. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it's just to each his own, right? Like whatever. It's just how your brain works. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, talking to people energizes me, but performing is exhausting. Yeah. Mm, and I have a little bit of a, yeah, like performing is a little less draining for me. Talking uh-huh. to people, I love up to a point. And then uh-huh. my introvert self needs to go shut myself in a cave somewhere. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm so, f- I, I keep bumping into people where they end up telling me they're introverts at some point. I'm like, you are an introvert. <laughs> You're so outgoing. You're so friendly and outgoing. I guess that's not what an introvert is. Yeah. Yeah. I just need a lie. Just more alone time, I think. Yeah. And, than, than most people. Well, actually, I had somebody gave me this definition that I thought was so good. They said, if you like wake up in the morning and an extrovert like starts with like a like a small like a like a deflated balloon. <laughs> And then as they go through the day and interact with people, their balloon fills up and an an introvert does the opposite. They like start with a big balloon. And then as they interact with people, they, was it introverts and extroverts? They're like balloon kind of like deflates because it's like taking all of their energy. And Steve and I kind of both, we found that he's, must be an introvert and I must be an extrovert because that's exactly me. Like in the morning, I'm, you know, and I'm like slowly by the end of the day, I'm so wired because I'm talking to people and he's kind of the opposite. <laughs> I have never heard that no? explanation. And that is a hundred percent me. Like I bounce out of bed. I'm like dancing, making my coffee. Like this is amazing. After 2 p.m., just don't even bother. <laughs> don't talk to me. Don't come near me. Like, yeah. Your balloon has deflated a little my bit. My balloon has yes. deflated. I've never, you know, that I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to do some more informal research about that idea because that's fascinating and I want to know more. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I relate 100%. Yeah. It really, uh, it, it, I really related too. I love though how an imagery like that, that's what sticks with you. I will remember this forever. Like there's no, yeah, there's <laughs> all the other things like, oh, I need more alone time. Then it's fine. But it's the, it's the balloon. It's the energy balloon. balloon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when they really, when it really hit home, because I don't think of myself as dragging out of bed. Like I'm, I wake up, I, I wake up really early, wide awake, you know, so I, I don't think of it like that. But then when they explained it, they said, if you go, and this is totally me when we used to have events, I never wanted to go to events but I was always the last person there. So I would always mm. like, I, yeah, I said I was going to go to this event. So here I go. And then I'm like talking to the last person, you know, like we can't yeah. stop talking to each other. And that's like a perfect representation of my balloon. Like when it finally gets there, it just inflates. Yeah. It's like, you're just in your happy place. I actually am. I, that does. That for also resonates. It does. Cause yeah. yeah like, I will cancel, like I'm just the queen of canceling. Cause in the moment I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to see people. I don't want to talk to people. Totally. But once I'm there, I'm in it. But I have to say right after, like I need alone time. I know I've gone to events where like they'll encourage roommates or something like that. I did that one time and never again. I'm yeah. like, no, no, when I'm done with the event, I don't want to see any humans. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good to know these things about yourself, right? Because then totally. you kind of optimize your experience. Yeah. And to like understand that there's nothing wrong with you that, you know, it's like I'm social in my own way and then I'm antisocial in my own way. And that's totally cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. I hear so many people talking about feeling like they're like people are more and more antisocial these days because of social media. And then, of course, with quarantine, it's like nobody wants to go out. But I feel like that's more representation of comparison, comparing yourself to stuff online than anything else. 
Yeah, know? it's like just about like when you try to meet some kind of expectations, it's just, it just doesn't work. Exactly. Okay, don't meet expectations. You are normal. Anything <laughs> yes. you do is is great. <laughs> if you get anything out of this conversation, you are perfect. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Jane. It's been a real pleasure and so fascinating to listen to this model, which sounds so obvious once you say it, but I just don't see a lot of people framing it in this way. I don't see anyone framing it in this way. Very cool. Thank you so much, Jane. Great to talk to you. Ah, thank you. To grab some of Jane's genius, go to scaledgenius.com and grab her seven critical rules to consider for creating online courses that don't suck. I will link to scaledgenius.com in the show notes at piasilva.com backslash podcast. Taking inspiration from Jane today, how often do you think you are teaching when you need to be guiding people to help them get the answer? I know I am so guilty of this, but I am definitely working on it because our ultimate goal is to help people hit their goals. And I know that if we fire hose people with information instead of finding ways to guide them to the solution, well, we might look and sound really smart, but it won't necessarily get them the results that we want and that they want. From my perspective, it is the harder path, but it is well worth it. And this isn't just true in courses. This is also true when offering done-for-you services, and it's definitely true when you are sharing content. A big mistake that I see people made is that they just explain. They try to teach so much. When information usually falls on deaf ears, even when people are asking for the info, they usually can't hear more than a fraction of what you share. It's why my whole lead product process that I've been teaching people in the Badass Your Business Bootcamp and in my No BS Mastery program are so effective because the whole process is about guiding the client to the next step and not lecturing them. Most people are talking at their prospects or clients, and then they wonder why they get ghosted after they send her a proposal. I know why. It's likely because you are teaching and educating more than guiding. And if you start to guide instead of lecture, that could absolutely be your next step to showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Steve Wasterval. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. Western Runners.